Gab and Girl Time contains explicit sexually mature themes and is intended for a mature audience. The opinions expressed here do not necessarily reflect the views of any platforms, sponsors, or social media. Most of the time. Gabin, girl time. Gabin, girl time. Gabin, girl time. Bing! Hello! It is January 4th, 2022. Our first recording of the new year. Yes, even though I did um, post our very fun first uh, of January episode because it was on a Monday. Yeah, we've so, got our first episode out. I'm so excited, but this is the first recording of the year. And we have a guest today, and I'm so excited. Super excited. Because it's She's a guest that we've had on in 2021, mm-hmm. but Returning we did guests. not get to talk about half of what we wanted well, to talk because about. because oh we had a pair of guests who were yeah. both super crazy interesting and way too much. So, so we asked her to come back. Yes. You're going to introduce her? I am. Are your pronouns she? Yeah, yeah, you can use What she. are they? She, her, she, her, they? Yeah. I'm going to introduce myself, though, as Johnny Deep. Hi. Yes. <laughs> yes. Nice. I couldn't I couldn't have done it better. Thank you. Thank you for Hi, having me back. Johnny. Oh, my goodness. Johnny Deep. Oh, my goodness. That's Johnny Deep. You, now, I'm going to assume that that is yeah. a thing from Johnny Depp. I would really yeah. have to. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, 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 for Her sure. First I, I usually say jo- like Johnny thing. Depp, but Deep is in the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't know. That's when I first noticed you, one of your first drag performances. Do you remember performances. What, was, where, what was going on? Any Anything you can remember? I'm curious. All I remember is the piratey mm. kind of oh my gosh and i don't know that could, might <laughs> not have even been your very right first daily but i know that it some you of my were, first performances are really messy I'm, I'm glad you didn't see them <laughs> so i wouldn't know the difference between super saw, clean was it at christopher's when the lesbian bar was still open that's where I first saw you. Really? Was yeah. Maybe so. Because now where the brickyard is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Who are doing traditional drag shows now after yeah, comedy on of, Sundays. They're kinda of circling back and doing drag shows again. I mean yeah, after different com- owners, I guess, but the comedy. No, I mean D- Dylan's still there. Well, I mean, um, yeah. I and mean, Randy. Yeah, but the the, the Christopher's Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I see what you mean. Yeah. yeah. No, it has not been the same vibe. It has a very burner hippie vibe, yeah, which I, I, I don't love. hate it though, because they have some like um, comedy nights, right? Yeah, drag Sunday nights, nights like um, karaoke nights. They back, they back to back comedy and drag. So I dig it. I get to see a lot of people I that I like. I go there sometimes. It's fun. Or yeah, not, or I just like the atmosphere. It's kind of and hard. Amanda asked. You know, Amanda Cruel runs that. Oh, open yeah. mic on Sundays so right. I mean it's definitely um a uh, it's a it's just a fun it's a fun you didn't go place. there when it was a lesbian bar yes I did actually oh, did. Did I even did comedy there when it was oh, a lesbian awesome. bar cool, cool. with Jen Snyder who was a guest on our show too awesome. and then uh I went even before then though to do that's why I maybe that was 
where I saw you, but like, yeah, maybe so. You did just see me recently though, so that helps. <laughs> well, yeah, and I know that. Um, but I, I'm not like. I mean, that was like me getting on stage after the pandemic. No, and because so I've seen you at rusty. the edge several times. Yeah, but I. Um, but back, back even before then. So. Yeah, I think that it's interesting that more and more bars that are considered mainstream do more drag shows. I find yeah. that interesting. Don't you? The, like Barrel House and drag brunches have so there's, been there's more drag really shows, taken care all of. The lesbian bars are closing at the same time. Are you kidding? Well, Not let's open one. Yeah, I mean, I totally would. We'd have so to be really are they, conscious is and it think just about... Because they're, I'm sorry to talk over you. No, continue. It's okay. Is it just because they're homogenizing the LGBTQ mm-hmm. plus community? Or is it just you think that uh, the women are just shutting the spaces down? Um, I just think that, like, lesbian dykes and AFAB people um, in general, I feel like don't often see themselves represented in spaces so they don't often they're the core and the, the the core and the center of their culture and is often just scattered little bubbles with their own cores that kind of overlap with each other and and in many ways like like gay cis male culture is really centralized in nightlife and clubs so you really see that that um, difference show when there's no more spaces and they're dying out um, well, yeah, that's because. Um, but this is this has been happening for the past ten years. Like yes. it's just been happening slowly. It's not just like a pandemic. Well, thing. in the eighties, even okay. So I became a hairdresser in the eighties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was nineteen, and of course, I'm going to gravitate to all the gay men that are yeah. hairdressers over anyone, and so yeah, it's a whole archetype that you were. It's just around. I'm the budget bet midler, and you know I like fabulous <laughs> things, and I think I'm a fabulous thing, and always kind of have, even Good. though I know I'm not the norm thing. My sister, I mean, she's the one that had the great body. She's the one that was, you know, she's blonde and green eyed and lanky she still got problems and she's, she's still mad everybody has why are you mad problems <laughs> yeah and i mean she's she's a cop she was very altruistic but very rule oriented everything for her in life from the time she was younger was pretty black and white and don't break the rules and i was always very fluid and like fuck the rules you know i don't i'm you know i always felt like i was an elite even though I obviously was not however um I didn't in the sense of I thought I was better than people or whatever but if a rule didn't make sense like it had to make would you characterize your developing self as having authority issues 100 percent. I always have had authority issues are you kidding she still does yeah but I'm also a middle child I say that because I also have authority issues I'm a middle child so middle child syndrome is a thing are you an anarchist um, I don't know if I fully understand what anarchy really, really means. I think it can mean a couple of different things to different people. So mm-hmm. when people talk about anarchy, I'd like to make sure, like, I try to see where they're really coming from. Because I feel like some people see anarchy as, like, absolute utter chaos, and other people see it as what it really is, which I guess I don't really un- quite understand yet. And that's more of, like, a probably, like, a, a destructured way of governing. I, I don't... Mm. So... 
Yes and no. <laughs> it's One both. Is full out so, anarchy, and yeah. then there's anacro, like anarchy, communism type situation. Yeah. I do like which would be an experiment. Shout anarchy! I do feel it come to me, especially after I've had a couple of drinks. Siren and I will look at each other. Just anarchy. <laughs> it's, it's kind of more of a anarchy is more of a of a mood or a vibe that I was led into than See, it is a political concept for you me. Have punk rock. <laughs> definitions of anarchy which is where i am i am like you know screw the government question things anarchy but i also know the utter chaotic anarchy would be terrible because it becomes survival of the fittest and if i can take this from you it now is mine yeah so fuck you well people who feel other might not feel like they're part of a system that anyways like if you don't feel like the system benefits you then you know like you're, you're gonna feel outside of it did you did you feel like you were the weird one outside of your family like the black sheep of your family or did you feel like your family unit was like the weirdos in society in your community oh I was definitely a little of both really both I mean in the small town vibe my mom was pretty popular oh yeah so it was very small but she was on she didn't have expectations of you but she like but well, you're still kind of the weirdo of the, of the family crew. Yeah, I was the one that gave him trouble. My brother was pretty in step. He was pretty, you know, mild mannered. Mm-hmm. Uh, he worked on cars. He was extremely smart. That's so awesome. science and cars. And he was like one of the first people I knew to get computer stuff before computer stuff was he was right on it he told me to get rid of cassette tapes back when people still you know like the eight track situation Mm -hmm. music was a big deal on an eight track for me he was the first one that was like no start getting these cassettes and so i get cassettes and then he was like okay hold up they got these discs now and Mm -hmm. they are crazy and so he got me into CDs way before anybody else That's had CDs. That's pretty badass. Wow. He's <laughs> a pretty cool cat. And yeah. then he um, went to computer tech school, and he comes home, and he tells me about the iPod, like, five years, I think, not before even, they rolled out the iPod. Not even Zoom. <laughs> Yeah, no, I know. I Did we say that we both had I a Zoom? I couldn't. My family couldn't afford an iPod. Yeah. I, I had a, I I had a like, Zoom. I, th- I still have it. I wish I could power it up. Too. Yeah, as well, not too. <laughs> My family couldn't afford the Zoom too. Just kidding. I don't even know if there's a Zoom too. <laughs> well, we didn't get that. <laughs> but I found out about them making the technology mm-hmm. before um, any of that. Like yeah, the MP3 like technology yeah. before any of that happened. He also, when he worked as a mechanic... He ha- he was ASE certified before anybody even knew what it was. I still don't know what that. And is. there were people who argued. <laughs> there were people who argued about you know some dude at one point was like, "There's no way" because I've never heard of it. And my brother was like, "Well, just because you haven't heard of it doesn't mean that you know." So he had this weird little wallet thing, and he just like, 
and it unrolls all the way to the floor and it's all the different certifications that they didn't know like he worked on the computer brains in the car when they first came out and I'm always so all that kind of stuff I'm always so amazed by Generation X, especially um, for that, like, I'm so amazed, like, collectively by their mental ability to be able to, like, see the transition between, like, typing up on a typewriter and then transitioning into typing Mm -hmm. on a a keyboard and having to, like, work the whole, the age of the computer and the age of the internet, seeing that, fucking seeing that, and then also fucking working it. Like yeah, that's being able intense. to figure that out, like and do it. like hopping on board and crawling up that from the ground up, like wow, that really blows my mind. Um, and it, I really see it sometimes. I I hear you know, um, Siren is a really great photographer, but she talks about how like she learned in a fucking dark room before yes. Photoshop was a thing. Yeah. But what tripped me up, someone who doesn't know anything about dark rooms or much about Photoshop really, um, is that she said that all the tools in Photoshop are like basically like she understands the the program better because it, it models like tools in a dark actual dark room. Like yes. it, the way it's organized and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, that is such a fascinating thing that people who didn't see that change wouldn't know or understand. Yeah. They don't have any idea in I understand the generation gap more than I ever did, but I actually saw this chick and I was like, wow, you summed it up perfectly. And was it a girl? It might've been a guy talking about the deal with, uh, it was a guy, the deal with the, you know, what about Gen X? You know, what about us? Everybody keeps talking about different things like being latchkey kids or whatever. I wasn't a latchkey kid, but that's because I was in a multi-generational home. My grandmother lived with us. You know, you didn't just your elderly live with you until they literally couldn't anymore or they died. And I mean, her when my parents divorced, Mm -hmm. she kind of got her independence and had her own home. And she was the happiest that I've ever seen her. She didn't want to live with the kids. It was just what you did so, at the time. So, so the grand, grandmother lived with the with the family, lived with the kids. That's kind of how it was seen. Because often with my family, it was very like, oh, shit just hit the fan. We go live with grandma. Or we go live yeah. with the grandparents. And oh, we go live yeah. with them. Well, no, grandma, <laughs> grandma came and lived. My mom was the last and the baby. So you, and it was so you expected raised by that your she took care of her. No, I was raised by my parents. Oh, okay. But my okay. grandmother li- did live in the house until I was 16, 15. Yeah. And then she died when I was six. She died a year later, but she was the happiest she'd ever been. I know what you're talking about. You know, she, yeah. <laughs> I, my mom went on a Coke vendor for a year or two, and I was living with my grandparents for a while. But it's a lot of in and out, though. They were always kind of there. They're not there anymore. Like, it's like my whole family on that side is very destabilized. Um, that kind of like the, that matriarch patriarch system worked for a long time, but then it totally fell apart. Um, yeah, it did. But yeah, I also my maternal had a, grandparents I had a dad too. Are saints? Yeah. Saints. Your maternal grandparents are saints. Yeah. yeah, I would not be where I am today if it wasn't oh, for my yeah. grandparents. I can say this. I, I can't say they're yeah. saints, but I can say I wouldn't be where I am today if it weren't for them, yeah. for sure. And a lot, I model a lot of myself for my grandmother because I looked up to her so much as yeah. far as organizing and how to keep the house oh, and, and things like that. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I grew up in kind of a hoarder situation. Got gotcha. you. But I think that was a generational thing as well. My, Scarcity I'm sure my grandmother was very, very strict very on my mom when they were little mm-hmm. and stuff because they did come from a poor family as well. 
So my mom was just like balls to the wall, whatever you want to do. If you want to draw on the walls, you can. Really? Oh yeah, yeah. Like my no boundaries at all. None. Wow, none that's not like you at all. To, yeah, but <laughs> all that clutter wow. and all that chaos. I mean, just traumatized me. Yeah. So I'm the complete opposite. I'm my grandmother now. Like everything has its place. Yeah, that's if awesome. thing is something. If things are out. It's not great because it yeah. drives my family fucking crazy. <laughs> it's, yeah. um, Did you not like invite friends over and stuff? Oh my God, no. Right? Yeah. No. Yeah. No, we had roaches. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's no. always a thing. I was actually just thinking about this yesterday in, an, in a conversation um, about how personal talking about housing is, um, especially when you're a kid or especially talking about your childhood home or something. Like often housing and what what that looks like can often be very like either a very sensitive vulnerable or just insecure place you know so anyways yeah just made me think of that and and I actually I, I came from a home that like my my mother kept a very like she wasn't like militant necessarily but like she was just like a busybody, and I'm so like way more laid back by nature I'm yeah. not naturally an organized person I never have been um but she was always very much like gotta keep the house super clean and if and she kind of saw she even though she was very loving she kind of saw the kids as like free labor she's like (laughs) if you're here well like if she'd walk by and see me sitting down and just like relaxing that was like what why you sitting you can be doing something absolutely (laughs) my mom was very much like that later problems for me that I could delve into and there were some things that my grandmother would hoard that I can remember like I still have the box of crayons Mm -hmm. that we used to play with at her house really so she would hoard that she would hoard rubber bands you know she would hoard things that you would just be like but I think that also comes from being poor and being growing up in the depression Mm because she was born in 27 so she was like right on that cusp of the the great depression growing up yeah and uh you know aluminum foil you never threw aluminum foil away right. yeah. yeah yeah so i caught myself hoarding yeah. when i was young at a young age too i would like like hide like pockets of food around the house or i would like hide or like not hide but like um uh, basically like stow away a bunch of scraps like you were talking about with like the do you feel, do you feel like you weren't gonna you didn't know when you were gonna eat no no I always had food I never went without is what I needed um and my home had like my I'm very very lucky even though like my home life like fucked me up in some ways um I'm very lucky in that like my mother loved us like totally loved us um but I've also kind of had this insecurity that came with poverty that was like like if it if it boils down to just me, like, can I take care of myself? That's always, mm-hmm. and continues to be like a, a point of contention for me and kind of ties back to that butch identity and that, that mm-hmm. masculine identity and exploring that because it's like a sense of like, like exploring your own agency. Well, let's talk about know? that for a little yeah, bit. Why, yeah, sure. um, why drag? Um, so, um, when did you start drag? God, it's 2022. I started drag and I think 2017. Okay, that's when I first met you. I yeah. think I met you at graduation. Oh, it was grind graduation Gra- was in 2017. Mhm. Okay, so I'm pretty sure I started at the beginning of 2017, yeah. maybe the end of 2016. Something like that. Um I just like showed up at an open night at the edge and just threw myself out there. Like I Do you remember what you did? Yeah, of course I remember what I did. Um because it's actually a really important part of why I started doing it. Um, 
I'd always been a part of, wanted to be a part of like theatrical shit, but I never liked the elitism of like theater. Yeah. Theater. Yeah. I was never into it. I basically always would joke around with my friends and be like, I just want to like get naked on stage and just act a fool. Like where, where can I go to do that? <laughs> and then, um, uh, I started hearing about, um, some local gays in the, in the club and I started going, went to Carousel too, which I only went there once, but I fucking loved it. Um, hung out at gay night at Sassy's, fucking loved it. But then, um, this like the, uh, you, y'all have heard of the band Glass Animals? Mm-hmm. Their album dropped that year, I think. Um, and I heard their song for the first time that, that they're like hit gooey. And like, <laughs> it was this moment where I was like, oh my God, it felt like I had a way of, I was like, oh my God, when I listen to this, I can actually move my body to it and I can sense and feel myself expressed in it and it was because it wasn't um, a queer alternate masculinity identity and it was sensual it wasn't like uh, trying to take a stand on something it was like trying to express and like allure and attract it was like a very masculine but also very like organic energy um, and I fucking loved it so that was the first mm. song I performed was uh, at Gooey by the Glass Animals at um, the Edge and do you remember up. it being well received? Yeah, actually, um, I mean, it was it was Monday night, which it's chaos. I called that's why it's called Monday Night Madness. Um, but it actually was well received. I mean, my I was, I was. It was a little rough. Don't get me wrong. I was just wearing like I think I was just wearing like red tight pants and just like a fur coat and like nothing underneath, just like taped tits low-key drag my hair's already short I'm already butch it wasn't I wasn't doing a lot I was just getting the courage to fucking get up there and go yeah um but the way I got up there was very much like I was doing something that nobody in the room was doing or I'd never seen done around me or in front of me before and that was like getting out there and performing masculinity but doing it in a way that was very like vulnerable and intimate and like sensual um, so the way I moved my body was slower and sensual and just really, really present and people ate it up. Um, and I basically have just been kind of like, like tapping from that source since then with my drag expression, for sure. It's all about kind of like alternative or even subordinate masculinities, not that like dominant masculinity, like dominating toxic culture, you know, mm-hmm. but at the same time taking those mass, like toxic masculine traits and then like, then like make turning it into a satire is like that's powerful so well that's what i like to i do. love that yeah. I, i've done it before uh but it's it's fucking fun um so i can i can totally respect it for sure for sure i think my favorite number of yours is the one on the desk career uh, the boy, career boy. <laughs> that that number is just modeled after somebody else who's done it but i fucking love performing it oh god because when that when that song again when that i'm so motivated by music for sure um, because when that song came out, it was by Dorian Electra, and it's my favorite number of Dorian Electra because they've kind of went into all kinds of different position and positions and styles and identities, and I, I, I'm here for it. I love it, but Career Boy was probably my favorite, um, one of my favorites, and wow, love that shit. Have you seen the music video? No. So my number is modeled after. You might think I'm okay. a little less original, but I think you'll also appreciate that I brought it to the public. It, it, I feel like it's just so good it needed to be seen <laughs> by more people. Yeah, it's your performance art piece of the video. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? and being able to take it and do it live is fucking fun. Oh, my God. So fun. What do you get out of drag? Um, I think I've gotten different things out of it. 
You might have to come up. Yeah, close, sorry. Because you're very like, soft spoken tonight. I have such a soft, sweet, 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 sweet voice. Okay, here I go. Should be able to just move your mic to you as well. I'm also just slouching. I can't sit in a chair straight. It's like well, part of also part of my identity. Yeah. <laughs> and just um. So, what was the question again? <laughs> what do you get out of drag? Um. Okay, so I feel like I get different things out of drag at different points in my life. So when I first started doing drag, just you can probably understand this moment. And I love asking people who dabble in masculinity. Um, is like when I first taped my tits back and I, I like sat up straight and I taped my tits back and I looked at myself in the mirror and I gave myself this like flat chested, nude, open chest illusion, you know, and I just felt a, fl- a rush, a flood of chemicals to my brain that was just like, like wired not even like a like oh my god here I am this this looks like how I've always felt it kind of like I looked in the mirror and I was just like my brother (laughs) I don't know I just felt really like I guess I did feel like I was pulling out something that wasn't allowed to be expressed at that point so in I guess in that way I was looking at myself and being like wow you're here that's amazing but um but at the same time it's very like like I'm basically like saying a big f you to society yes like this like very powerful like i can do what i fucking want (laughs) kind of feeling you know there's a lot of agency in that there's a lot of power in that there's a lot of self-love in that um so it definitely gave me that then and then that was that was a pretty simple tape your tits and feel feel a thing that's very simple reaction and then later on learning how to um like well working alongside really talented fucking people all the time for starters um doing getting more flight time and doing more shows then it started becoming something of like a tool and I had like as a performer a, a a toolkit where I learned how to move my body I learned how to communicate with people and be present with them verbally and non-verbally when I'm performing I've also like um really learned how to like uh, not only connect with people but like take take moments that are live and rushed and and high high moments and take it all down a notch you know that's mm-hmm. probably my favorite things about performing is like for just a moment like the whole the it's stillness not, the stillness yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that when I first started doing drag I was like oh god I love that shit um so yeah it became a more of a vehicle for for what can I express now and how can I connect with the community that was a big one with clam slam starting um it being like a community thing was like my next big thing. I didn't even want to do solo numbers. I wasn't even for it. I wasn't competitive at all. Didn't want to do solo shit. Didn't want to be part of pageants. I tried. It was a fucking like, whatever. Um, But I was like, yeah, I just want to like do duets. I started doing duets with Tiger mostly. So fucking fun. Um, But now it's a little different. Now I'm trying to figure out what it is for me again. So yeah. Yeah. I I think the pandemic really, push things back I know it pushed things back for me and now I feel like I'm getting back into it especially when I do the televangelist number yeah when you were talking about having power in the makeup Mm -hmm. of your chest I find that in the clothing because I am I'm very very much a girly girl Mm -hmm. and I have I feel like I'm very feminine in the face and and everything else I do have a mannish body whereas it's kind of boxy 
mm-hmm. you know, um, but just the power of the clothes, the suit, you know, um, the tie. Your, your silhouette, and like, how does that make you feel? Yeah, I can take it or leave it. Okay, <laughs> got you. So it's really like the, um, yeah, like the the accessorizing. Yeah. The fashion. Yeah. I can really relate to the fashion. I've really, I've always been drawn to like vintage masculine fashion. Oh my God. <laughs> That's my bread and butter right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like different styles of masculinity that isn't necessarily popular, popular today, but it's like, like. But, see, 2020 screwed everything because it was supposed to be the Gatsby, the zoot suits. Yeah, that's true. Cool gangster dandy style. Boys. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Absolutely a dandy boy. And, um, you know, I think that's pretty cool. So I don't necessarily do drag or anything, but I do like cosplay. But yeah, I've, that's part of it as well. I've grown up very fluid within the roles of masculine and feminine, though. I think that people have two different, we were this, there's like, and I just, I'm just going by what I see in my husband, but I feel like you either have a performer brain or you don't Mm -hmm. like you don't know what it is to have that rush of performing Mm -hmm. and getting out there left brain right brain yeah Um, i just see that in my husband we have a little bit of a disconnect you don't think he gets those same performance vibes in other areas of life um he might in the BDSM world mm-hmm. um, when he's flinging a whip or something like that. I consider that performance mm-hmm. as well, but he doesn't look at it that way. He just looks at it like it's he's giving pleasure to someone else gotcha. who yeah. who desires it. Like it's still performative, but it's not performative to the audience. It's still focused on like who they're who he's with. Yeah, gotcha. He's not he's not seeking that attention like us performers yeah. constantly do. Yeah. Is we just want to, we just want that attention. We just want all eyes on us. Yeah. And when you get a group of people like that in a room. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's exactly why the, the community aspect of it became, is, is always, is began kind of a challenge for me because I found when I was finding my way in that art form, I was also kind of like getting really caught up comparing myself to people, you know? Yeah. I don't that's want it to be a competition. I really either. don't. I'm, I just, the other night we performed mm-hmm. and it was a phenomenal night in my it opinion the yeah. crowd was great the tips were great right. you know everybody was having a good time now yeah it was new year's eve they were going to have a good time anyway right. but really good energy from that crowd and every performance i thought was just wonderful Aww. and and it was <laughs> cool and i always ask my husband cuz he's one of those kind of people I'll go okay who is your favorite number tonight mm-hmm. besides me yeah you know let's just get and, that out of the way yeah because <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna tell me but he likes to critique as well right. whereas I'm at you know what I said they did they did great yeah they did great yeah so you basically hopped yeah. in the car and you're like this show was fucking great you ain't gonna say shit but also what's your favorite besides <laughs> me <laughs> but also you can't say shit because that show was great <laughs> so what do you say why do you think the community is tries to eat itself every community tries to eat itself though um, yeah i'll just put that out there for every sure. community especially, every little niche especially creative communities yeah, <laughs> because sure. we all feel the exact same way on the inside and depending on the energy of the outside combined with our inadequate feelings is just 
great enough. We become sandpaper. And instead of being realizing, hey, these different opinions can actually polish me into a much better performer. We take it as you're trying to squash my light. You're stepping yeah. on my time. You're, mm-hmm. you know, down on me for this or for whatever. I'm not good whatever. enough to be here. Yeah. You know, you're I'm making me feel enough, like I'm not good enough to be here. We don't seem to realize sometimes that within a community, you might have 25 people in a performance community and 10 opportunities for stage time. You know, and now because in a burlesque show, you can have so many people in there, but you can only have so many to do a show where people aren't overly tired or whatever. Same as comics, you know, it's always evolving, though, because sometimes there's some opportunities. Sometimes it's it's growing. Sometimes you just have to make opportunities, which was the case for Clam Slam. Correct. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people sit back and the ones who who really have a lot of whether it be um, imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. or their internal monologue is very, their whole dialogue with themselves are very much, you know, you're not as good as so-and-so. You're never going to be this good. They only want the most talented. Some people do that, tend to gravitate that way. It becomes like a a high school, an entertainment high school of sorts. And can become very clicky. Some of it is just personalities blend better together, but they haven't worked together long enough or reached the maturity to know that you can come together and hang out for this brief time and enjoy each other's company and not have to be besties outside of that. But you're always going to have a couple people that pair well together. And those people always seem like they're going further than other people but it's because you have a buddy doing this with you and helping you you know succeed and not everybody does so finding that balance but jealousy Mm -hmm. and envy you know healthy envy and healthy competition is good peer review is great yeah but having like if you're in a community and you never feel like you ever have a win then, you know, it's going to cause a lot of hurt feelings. And that sandpaper is a super rougher grade than some of them, you know. Also with with drag specifically, like um, it's, you know, with it right now, and it's really kind of moving and changing right now because of the pandemic, of course. Mm. Um, but drag, drag is so often, especially with like um, the like commodified version of drag with RuPaul, um, it's so often a very competitive, very like clawing your way up to like to like notoriety, yes, and pushing other people down. And there's also a glorification of burning people and being catty and being like this like um, feminine backstabbing archetype. Shade. And honestly, yeah. that's what that's what um, certainly kept me from getting on the stage like years and years ago. Not because I it intimidated me, but because it wasn't like my body type wasn't fucking allowed on stage. It wasn't seen as entertaining. Um, so yeah, like that attitude still totally prevails and often drag was not seen as legitimate unless you had titles. Like that's Mm -hmm. certainly how it was when I started drag, uh, for the first several years. Well, yeah, uh, it's, I mean, it's similar to that in a comedy scene. You're not really considered a comic of any worth unless you have certain credits nowadays. Oh, it's like that now. It was like that. 
It is like that still. Like that. I mean, it's yeah. still like that. It was even worse in the olden days. Mm-hmm. You didn't even, it was extremely difficult to create your own space to have indie comedy. Used yeah. to be, if you wanted to have any type of shot at all, you had to go up through the comedy club ranks. And that was 100% boys club and completely and And a lot of gatekeeping yeah a lot of gatekeeping even now if you don't in if you want to do a club circuit if you don't have like a clean kind of (laughs) set you know i mean you're not going to be able to how did you how did you claw your way up as a woman in that environment you know because that's that I I think about that with the comedy scene it's probably as much probably pretty it could probably be pretty sexually aggressive and um, I've noticed that in queer what's weird is because I went into the environment so much older than the random people that were in there and Mm -hmm. I was I had 10 years on the dude that was running it uh the scene the indie scene at this time and there was a female who was running the comedy club. Like that was the face that you saw at Side Splitters was Bridget. Like doing Martin. the work. Huh? Like doing the work, basically. Well, yeah, she, I mean, she was one of the promoters. <laughs> and Yeah. Doing the work. Yeah, fem, fem labor. Yeah. Everybody Doing the work it. while the men get up on stage and all they yes. got to do is their 20 minutes now, or whatever am, and, and come right off. I'm mad at myself because I didn't pipe up because mm-hmm. of my own imposter syndrome I also had a certain timeline and a certain idea in my head even if it was misguided Don't about you think, though after you get how it was supposed to be done as mm-hmm. far as what I needed to do to be a good comic like what I thought paying dues was and everything else drag is the same way so, very similar in that way and stage time is a big deal figuring out who you are your voice for me writing jokes I wanted jokes to be funny and at the time when I broke in um uh, or started doing this it was extremely male dominant dominated there were only like maybe two other females doing the underground comedy scene did you feel pressure to do kind of like some did you catch yourself code code switching and like like basically trying to meet certain expectations in those spaces as far as certainly like that with drag club with gay clubs from drag for sure each different each club has a different expectation of what you're going um, to perform as a drag queen or a drag king for sure yeah, no, I mean, I was pretty much me. That's good. But they then weren't why do you ready feel... for me. Yeah, then don't... But I was a grown woman. Okay. I mean, you know what I mean? I didn't start in my 20s oh. trying to do comedy. So you kind of kick yourself for not starting earlier or not When I more. did try, I had the idea, and I went and did comedy at 19, but I was in a relationship with a dude who was like no that's by that very and didn't think I was funny I've had several oh, men who sucks. didn't think that I was funny you've had them as and they were supposed to be your support yes as, and Jeez, they were like sucks. no you're not that funny I'd be like what is so threatening about um, okay, women on stage whatever. what is so fucking threatening about that oh my that? gosh that's another you know podcast. what I'm saying yeah I mean I don't know it was 
it was crazy. I but I was a dumbass for listening to them. I shouldn't have listened to them. Like my what father. What else are you gonna do though? Yeah, you're young. Seriously. You're young. I had a male. Your in hormones my home are going through you, telling you know. me that I could do anything. That come to Toastmasters with me. You're a natural born speaker. He was a public speaker who back in you know like. The 80s was getting like three grand for speeches back in the day. You know, I'm going to chalk it up to you being just young and naive. I thought I was gross. I hated myself. I mean, I just had a lot of things. I didn't think that, you know, I was uh, quote unquote bankable. You know, I didn't think that uh, they I wasn't the type. Mm hmm. Don't you do think it? now the older that that's you very, get, that's very made in stage thinking. The more your stupid. fucking you meter know, just you know goes. Exactly what that means. Well, yeah, in the middle child, my sister modeled before she left and became a cop, and I was just wild, you know. I just pieced out of the family. I had a lot of I wasn't wild crazy at all. Stuff. I was such a good kid. That's awesome. Yeah, it's That's great. cool. What happened? I had to be the Aussie. I know. I still, <laughs> I'm such a good girl. <laughs> yeah. Now look at you. Look at what you're doing now. Um, I was the oldest, so I had to be responsible. Yeah. yeah. My daughter, Sarah, is was always responsible. She's still responsible. I still she, have to be responsible, yeah. I want to look mm-hmm. out for my little brothers. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So... I don't know. I'm used to it, though. (laughs) Yeah. Growing up, though, um, because of my dad being a carpenter, my brother always interested in tools, me enjoying sports until my boobs came in and they were so big that it wasn't fun anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't fun running fast or jumping or, you know, I got moody and wanted to hang on the monkey bars and smoke cigarettes (laughs) with my friends and go roller skating and go... You know, then start, you know, smoking weed or whatever. And it was Florida. Then when, I moved when from it was actually taboo. Illinois it's... to Florida. Oh, my God. I was a walk-in PD. It was awful. Yeah. I would get brought home in cop cars or whatever. And my mom would be like, do you feel bad for what the you put your parents through at all? Huh? Do you feel bad about what you put your parents through at times? Well, of course. I, I mean, I have like a lot of remorse. That's, about that's why I never did anything did. wrong is because of the overwhelming guilt of, of being a people pleaser and being kind of socialized to be a people pleaser. It was it was heartbreaking, soul crushing if I disappointed anybody. Well, which I don't like being like that now. My mom and I had a tumultuous the, time, relationship because she, you know, she wasn't authentic and I would call out that yeah. sort of thing. So that's yeah, that's the thing. It's like, really? Okay, whatever. You, you see right so I didn't think yeah. what I was doing was as bad. Like I was like, oh, you can always do worse things. But that's the stuff that I got caught for. The things that I did that I didn't get caught for were pretty bad. But I was really fortunate to be able to, you know, not make them a habit or yeah. a way of life. Yeah. And I got out of a lot of things that could have been very detrimental like yeah. experimenting with drugs and yeah. she's just gone through a phase having yeah. a sur- well, super high here. tolerance yeah. yeah i'm glad you're here yeah and I, I did almost successfully try to unalive myself <laughs> when i was like 14 yikes yeah but it's weird at how people in the universe all come together a comic friend her mom was mm-hmm. around where i was which was in georgia 
and now they're here and then the girl just moved you having some full circle moments a lot of a lot a lot throughout my life you will too you'll see it. it's just wild that it happens but yeah it happens a lot how do you sexually identify yeah great um so i identify as a dyke as a homosexual um, as a lesbian as a butch lesbian as a trans mask butch lesbian uh and i take a lot of a lot of probably too Will you much. explain that to me because you just said you said a lot of words yeah, for my old brain break it down. so yeah so trans mask butch butch dyke, l- dyke. yeah okay but I, I also am comfortable using lesbian too as well okay um but yeah, I I, well, I mean. All right, break it down. Let's so break the trans the trans part. Yeah, trans mask. So, trans mask is like is an identity under the trans umbrella. So I don't necessarily identify as a like transgender man. Um, I I I I it identify under the transgender umbrella, but I identify more with the term trans mask, and that has to do with my. Um, a lot of like my way of life and my gender identity and how I like move through the world and how I like move my body and express myself through the world. Um, and that trans mask just basically means that all, much of my gender identity is centered around masculinity or it's gravitates towards masculinity. Um, I've also in my just especially with performance, but also just in my daily identity, I've also identified as androgynous, but that's just kind of a style, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't really have the, the weight of like a lived experience as trans mask does. Androgyny is just kind of like, you look like this, you know. Right. But I feel like trans mask has a little bit more of the weight of this is how you move through the world, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of why I lean towards it for sure. But, uh, but yeah, so, um, trans mask, butch. So, um, I, again, I hold on, I, I love that word. I hold it closely <laughs> to my heart. Um, so yeah, again, butch just kind of calls to, again, similar to that trans mask experience. So they're kind of, to me, they're kind of hand in hand. Um, but it's, a, it has a lot to do with, uh, kind of like sapphic sexuality and how you move through, uh, those spaces and okay explain to our listeners what sapphic sexuality is so i guess like um I, i've gravitated towards using the word like sapphic um woman aligned women loving women to talk about um like queer women sexuality or women aligned sexuality because i don't want to exclude um necessarily like trans men um and i don't want to exclude be exclusive to trans women either um but like so that so that's basically why I kind of focus on um, sapphic culture and uh, um, woman aligned, women loving women culture. But I find it difficult recently because um, sometimes I feel like with um, cis gay male culture, it's very uh, like they they feel they, it seems very anchored and accepted. But so often I feel like uh, with queer femme bodies and queer um, not necessarily femme presentations not necessarily just femme bodies but like like with queer femmes I feel like they often hold a lot of like the accountability of including fucking everybody not wanting we don't want to fucking exclude people you know and sometimes I feel like cis gay male culture doesn't fucking give a shit and so often labor to to sort out like identities and being inclusive and being like a loving community so often again falls on femme labor and I'm just like it falls on trans women does that make you turfy feeling that way um or no 
I against. I mean, and and which and, part of that? Because there was a lot there. Like against cis uh, gay males, like in the thing. Does it? You know, I don't know what the equivalent well, of they, that would be. Well, because because of how I, mm-hmm. my viewpoint is as the feminist that I am, I think some people misinterpret my wanting women to mm-hmm. achieve their highest form in the fact that constantly we're squashed from that. I've said in the past, as far as cis gay men, mm-hmm. I've had more discrimination as a female oh. from a cis gay man. Oh yeah. Queer than, culture is notoriously misogynistic. Than notoriously. most misogynistic and trans misogynistic straight men, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm also a person that most of those men wouldn't mind fucking. Mm-hmm. So again, that you treated differently from men that want to fuck you as opposed to men that don't want to fuck you. But they bo- both feel totally entitled to your body. Yes. So always. Yeah. And it's just interesting to me because I've never had a straight man ever refer to my uh, vagina as fish. Mm-hmm. Even though they weren't, you know. I've never had a, had a straight man grab my pussy before. But I've had many gay men yeah, do same. that same <laughs> yeah. thing. And so if I were to say something, you know, then that's where. But I know that I'm trying to think of what name it would be that would be turf. Because for me, I get called a turf because I'm like, no, I think that it's cool that yeah. this is who you want to be. But... It's very misogynistic of you to demand space here at this time. You would be allowed at the table anyway because that's who we are. But I feel like that's part of the man brain that demands it. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? I'm a little little lost, but... um were you are, are you saying with ex, uh, explicitly with like are you saying it's like reverse with anyone who just you know like excluding cis men kind of thing like as like yeah a th- or a bad- and excluding gay cis gay men yeah. like they feel they get very upset our our space mm-hmm. I don't have any when you say our space do you mean I'm, a, even a as, as this any female a whim, space a female space okay yes. it's it's always men's right activists like that's yes. not that's it's, or, it's derivative or, of and a of, lot of a cis gay yeah. men are like no you know why are you allowed the space yeah, I don't why know are you, how to explain Not only why that. are you allowed this space, but also why are you in my space? And it just kind of seems to boil down to why are you taking up space? And it's <laughs> like, fuck, I'm living here. I'm existing. I fuck. don't think <laughs> they all understand that. But yeah, yeah like m- men's... It's all threatening. Take all the sexuality out of it. It's still threatening men's to men. Rights, yeah. It's what's bothersome to me is like you've had the rights yeah, yeah. You, you've made the rights yeah you know what I mean like you you've always had them you've and made the rules and the you've made so the rules maybe I'm just saying it wrong but because I also apply that to in you know even people who want to change their gender or identify mm-hmm. a certain way I apply that and maybe because I have had the privilege of being born a cis female I enjoy being female 
Although like that, I know. also do masculine things. Like, yeah. I don't see that as a... I call that hard femme, by the way. Oh, well, maybe I am. Some of it <laughs> is because... What are you? I was what taught are, to be independent. You might have to, when I see you, yeah, hmm, I'm hard not sure. Because I, I would, I call Gail hard. Good luck. I don't know. Good. I'm not. I'm, I'm curious you what you find. I don't know if I made. I don't, I'm not saying I made it up, but like I. I think that's just a, a grown up under, tomboy. It's no, no, no. It's no? not a grown up tomboy. No, it's somebody who is. Um, and it, it, again, it falls under like, um, um, like queer, like more like sapphic. I'm women loving women culture but hard fem in my brain and to my understanding is very much like someone who is expressively very feminine and how they gender express um but their personality <laughs> is very fucking yeah. masculine at times and they're abrasive as fuck or they stand their ground or whatever because, yeah so they're kind of like and that I, I call I not only despise the gi- gender binary I work to dismantle it it's <laughs> like it's I'm kind of like aggressive femme picks up a power tool kind of vibe <laughs> so all the girl shows on HGTV is that is that the case <laughs> yes listen okay so back yes. in the olden days uh, on Discovery and uh, when cable first came out remember you probably remember this too because you're not you're not like a whole entire decade younger than me but close but Martha Stewart do you remember Lynette Jennings no. Maybe not. But see, she was on same time, but very butchy. But my favorite person to watch Lynette Jennings. Was because a butch? she act actually she was yeah, look her up. She did um home Lynette decor Jennings. and she she was like Martha Stewart, but she did a lot of stuff. Was where she on she, PBS? She made stuff. I think she was on like Discovery Channel. I didn't have cable for a lot of years, so Maybe. Martha Stewart's okay. one of my. I mean, she had short hair and she wore a little blazer. <laughs> right? <laughs> she later. was, but she was always working with power tools. It was it's called. Pretty cool, though. I'm into it. Le, Lynette Jennings design, and she was like one of the pioneers of this. And then, of course, um, Martha took over because she was way cooler or whatever. But well, she, she probably had more money. In the 2000s, 1998. Oh, oh Martha so was way was before on that. Discovery Channel. And she wasn't gay? With that. I, she, probably. Maybe. I don't know. They say she has that. I don't know. I feel knows. like, I don't know. It's probably, I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know either. But what I loved about her is she actually did the wood stuff herself, whereas Martha would say, it's I crazy. have this idea, and then there would be a carpenter dude that would come in or whatever, which mm-hmm. wasn't a bad deal. It was nice to look at. But Lynette would teach you, this is how you plumb. That's pretty and badass. square and, you know, uh, I've forgotten the third level, you know, to whatever make it's pretty cool. whatever. And so. So Gail's hard femme. Agency. Yeah. Yeah. But I really What's don't care if people are non-binary, though. I um, get it. So you're definitely in the femme category for sure. So you're on that side of things. Uh, let's see. And I wouldn't consider you like soft femme because you're certainly femme. Um, and you, you have high femme tendencies. She's goldy. I would call you high femme. High femme. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, the thing is though, there's, you're also like, you'd have to add on a couple other words that like, like point more towards your like sexual expression too, you know? Okay. So you'd have to, I have to think about that. Get back to you. 
I've always said that I am an alpha submissive <laughs> female feminine so lesbian who lives to pamper themselves. <laughs> they love makeup, never miss a mani petty. I used to want to be a Kilahara. Had, had you met me six years ago, this is who you would have said Hyphen. I was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then I would have heard you talk and listen to you for a second. I'd be like, oh yeah, you're hard fin. <laughs> I think I have gravitated toward that, toward the roots. But again, these have to do with like, um, like lesbians for yes. the most part. So. <laughs> well, I mean, I, these are know, definitely lesbian terms. I've definitely raised <laughs> so the lesbians. taking the the gender out of it. Have you always been attracted to women? Oh, yeah. yeah, for sure, for sure, and. Um, but I've had I had my own little journey, you know. Um, I sexually developed much later than you did, Gail. Um, I didn't actually like start like my body didn't start changing. Well, it's, my body started changing in high school, but I didn't actually get my period till I was in um, like like senior year of high school. Really? Yeah. And then mm. I like bled for three months straight, and it was awful. Um, they saved so it all sorry. at once. I'm worst. so yeah. But growing up. <clears throat> my body had always developed very, very weirdly. And then I found out um, when I was like 20 that I, when I was born, well, I, I already knew I was premature and I was born, like I had like my, I had like ulcerative colitis when I was born, I think. And then I, I don't know, I was kind of messed up when I came out. But I also found out when I was 20 that I ended up having genital surgery. And when I was born, and I didn't even fucking know. Nobody in my family talked about it. And, um, yeah, so, so I had conversations with my gynecologist. Were you born with were you, a male organ, you, but had female not, insides? Not, no, not necessarily. I think it was more of like since I had developed prematurely, I, I was I was, I, can't, I was born prematurely. That had more to do with a messed up sense of development, but it did. That information did spark a whole like um, a rabbit hole of, of talking with my gynecologist at the time. Um, and then years later doing the same thing again, taking blood work to see if like, if we could figure out my hormonal issues, if it gave it more clarity by talking about intersex and talking about like how my body actually developed. Um, so even though I don't have any like phenotypical, um, characteristics of intersex, um, people, which is a whole ass spectrum, um, very it personal is. conversation mm-hmm. to have mm-hmm. but um even though i don't necessarily have any phenotypical things that stand out to me as an adult um my whole life i still have had like a really fucked up hormonal cycle and um working with my doctor now i'm like she's told me that yo you have you have pcos you always have this is what this means and i was like okay 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 so people with this have some kind of um have are on a spectrum of like a mis misguided hormonal development. I don't know how else to say it. It's kind of just like where your hum- hormones are acting in a way where like the on and off of your hormonal development as a woman is just like not coding right or something. So um, uh, I found out when I was that age, when I was like 16, 17 years old, I was still going to the pediatrician and, um, he, you know, he'd always ask if I was, if how, like, do you have a boyfriend? But he, he, he that was yeah. his only way of being like, are you sexually active? You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found out at that age too, that since I hadn't had my period yet, that people who don't have their cycle yet, um, grow, and usually grow taller and hairier and don't have as big boobs. And that definitely will fucking change the route of your life. If you mm-hmm. are 10 years old and you have curves, um, that's going to be very fucking different than someone who's tall and lanky who doesn't have tits. I mean, I definitely have tits. I just don't show them. <laughs> but like, <laughs> but yeah, it's very fucking different. And so I have a lot of, even though I had a, 
a kind of a tumultuous time being a teenager myself who doesn't, but I have a lot of sympathy and a lot of heart for young girls who develop so early because it feels like it's just so fucking traumatizing and our society has no tools to handle it. Um, no well, tools to handle it sexual sounds like health, yours was pretty health. traumatizing yourself because yeah. you see your friends all going through their stuff like you know oh my god it's me margaret that's a totally mm-hmm. true story where all the little girls are like oh did you get your period yet yeah. oh well you're an outcast because you didn't get your period mm-hmm. yet and the same thing so happened that- with my like virginity too for sure but um all, yeah so I, I felt really outside because of my body because I, I was gro- I was developing like hair at a younger younger age than everybody else like I would go to the pool and I had like this full-blown happy trail which I was so proud so you of had some things yeah 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 I just did that, my, like, that my, came with puberty and growing up but you didn't have all the things yeah, I had more masculine features okay masculine puberty experiences you know yeah you probably had a way higher level of testosterone or some kind of like or um, or less estrogen or mm-hmm. yeah. um, progesterone. Yeah. So um, my the way I was developing was a little a little bit different, but it wasn't enough for like to be like made fun at school for it necessarily. I was made fun of for other stupid shit. But like, um, but yeah, it was. I already at the same time I already felt even though my body felt so different, I also didn't feel like like I mentioned earlier like I related to other um, girls in my in my class. Or wherever I was at the time, um, even though I, th- those were mostly my friends, I def- definitely didn't feel like like. Well, and you were young in the two thousands. True, but it's also just an experience of um, of lesbians. It's just an experience, you know, when you're sexually mm-hmm. attracted to this group, and it's like ha- comprehending that before you're even a sexual person is very nuanced. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's like having an affinity and being drawn towards a certain group of people, like your own sex. Um, but not necessarily in like a sexual way until it later becomes sexual when you become a sexual thing, you know. Have you had a relationship with a man? No. With a penis? Mm-mm. No. Um, I tried. Mm-hmm. I tried to like go on dates with guys in high school and then in college, my freshman year of college, and I always got so frustrated. Oh my God, y'all will laugh. <laughs> um, so I, I. I, I look back and I'm smiling because I almost feel I've moved past feeling guilty about it uh, because I remember going out on a date with uh, <laughs> with somebody in high school and um, I thought he was cute. Like, you know, I thought guys were cute, but there's a very fine line um, between like like admiring somebody um, and, and then, then they open their and mouth and wanting to fuck them. It's very, very fine line, <laughs> no. for, especially for queers. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, anyways, that's um, I was actually just talking about this the other night and I think it has a word. It's called, uh, uh, I think it's called like altruistic attraction, I think. Anyways, so I went on a date with this guy and um, I every time I went on dates with guys and I would always feel like this, this overwhelming, like, crushing anxiety and pressure of just like like how performative it felt like he picks me up and then we go out and or we go to a restaurant or we go to the dance and then we come back and then there's this awkward like drive home where it's like we're expected to be intimate now and then it's like oh you're gonna drop me off and now we need to kiss that's like part of the routine and seriously even though I wanted to intimately connect with somebody at that age like I was craving intimacy oh my god but like I remember making out with this dude and every single time my it's like my mind wanted to be there 
but like my my mind body connection just split and and I'd go to make out with this dude and I would just my body I would smile and every time he'd get teeth and I couldn't stop laughing I would like hyster he'd make out with me and it'd be like this this like awful wet like slobbery thing and like I just busted out laughing hysterically every time and it was an uncontrollable body response Mm. you know and then at that time I just chalked it up to like well it's just this guy we don't have chemistry so then I went to college and um, the first semester of my freshman year of college I realized it wasn't just my dinky little high school that I felt so alone in or the people Mm. I had met or because I've moved so many times it was like oh wait I still am feeling alone when I'm relating to people this is this is becoming a problem. Um, and then I started trying to go out on a date with another guy in college. Just like I say, not even dating. I mean like a date, like one, one shot. Let's see how this goes. And I found myself doing the same goddamn thing. I couldn't take him seriously. Mm-hmm. Nothing about men I could take seriously. And then, um, granted at the time, even though I wasn't like identifying as a lesbian, I knew that I didn't take men seriously anyways. Like I knew that I instantly have a anti-authoritarian Especially like, especially men who are in positions of authority, like I have a gut knee jerk reaction to just like, fuck you, you know, even, even without having known the situation or context, it's a problem. I'm problematic. Let's be clear. Um, but then I guess, you know, the first time I found out a woman was attracted to me and then I went out on like a night on the town with her, um, I couldn't laugh in her fucking face. I just, I. I couldn't. I couldn't fucking do it. I, I couldn't take anything more seriously. It was like, oh shit. It like rocked my whole fucking world. Nothing compared. So yeah, I think that's that was real that realization. I did fucking try though. Wow. Compulsive heterosexuality is totally a thing. Like that's hard to work through. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. But um yeah. Oh my God. Having the I compulsive need to meet what? the expectations of men is a constant thing. Everybody has to do. I don't want to live with myself yeah. half the time. You know, why would I want to live with somebody who... Do you feel like you're too much? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that I would have... Sexuality out of it, I kind of, fuck, I kind of feel like I... I kind of joke half-heartedly with myself. I'm like, anybody who lives with me learns to hate me. (laughs) Like, how do I relate to anybody? I can't, like, oh, yikes. But um, I think that also, like, um, um, getting in a relationship that, you know rocks the very ground that you stand on and feels very revolutionary it's very easy to to move in together and develop kind of codependent things going on but like uh learning how to relate to people has a whole lot more to do with learning how to relate to yourself than anything (laughs) really truly Mm -hmm. truly so um I ended up like moving out and just to fucking like get my own footing because my mom had died that that same fucking year and I just needed to like um, I just needed, I just needed space. I couldn't I, like, you know, especially when you're living with a partner, like that takes up your whole life. You and know? that's what I wanted to talk about is, um, you know, they say that all relationships are the same and, you know, but I just think but that I'm such a little bitch. Like I just moved down the street and I'm literally at Carrie's house all the time. <laughs> like, <laughs> and all my friends still think I live there. So like, don't like, like I'm not some kind of like, yeah, I moved out and I, I'm like I broke up with her and had to go and really find myself like no I'm still fucking mess and I live down the street like you know but um that that kind of like fucking uh like that kind of like do serial- women get on each other's nerves when they live together I saw a meme the other day that's kind of wraps this up it as was, anybody it, it said um 
people but talk about so. people talk about how um, how much easier it would be to be in a relationship with uh, in a same sex relationship. Like it talked about heterosexuals think about same sex relationships as like a great easy opportunity or easy out or like a more convenient option. And it, the comment on that said um, it's clear that they don't know um, uh, what it's like to argue with somebody else who knows what an attachment style is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> You know, it's, it's, a, yeah, it's, but I can imagine like with like, uh, even like BDSM community or like the polyamory community, like that also requires a lot, a lot of communicating and a lot of talking. And, um, it's, it's, you know, that lesbian stereotypes are also known for like, Oh, well now publicly, that they're here, like, <laughs> you had said last time that you had a lot of questions about what, you know, this is something that I've known about you since I was, first started seeing you perform and then over time I get little seeds of information and from you too Gail I just get little like (laughs) pockets of information of like the community and the BDSM community and different terminologies and I'm just like okay okay and it's not like I haven't been like I I definitely consider myself like just like like a whorish freaky lover like I I totally (laughs) do like I'm a fucking freak but I've never been a part of like apart from the queer community of like I um Apart from the queer community, which there's overlap, um, of course, but I haven't been a part of a, like a sexual community, like a deviant sexual community, apart from being fucking gay, you know. <laughs> so um, it's really a whole new world when I when I get to go to like conventions or get to hang out with you and chat about things or kind of hear you talk to people and like oh, like a little fly on the wall, like oh, what are they saying <laughs> over there, you know? So um, people's yeah. ears do perk up when you say fetish. Yeah, or, you know, or anything kink. like that. Yeah, yeah. kink Taboo. or anything. Yeah. Um, well, you okay. may be like a kinkster, which I think I'm more like. What's what's a kinkster? Rather than being in a lifestyle, a person who is kinky and enjoys yeah. kinky sex, but is not necessarily. It's not has the desire the, to be the, steeped in the community and all the protocol of the community. Me, yeah, it's all the protocol and the rules mm-hmm. and everything that you just don't adhere to. You just like. You know, Kinky you sex. just, yeah, you like being choked a little bit. Yeah. You know, I don't know like, about you. No, I I'm mean, saying I do. Not <laughs> that, and first of all, when you say don't want to adhere to the protocol, mm-hmm. I don't think that that's necessarily true. I think they don't want to be part of the community. They might not want to even be identified with that community. Yeah. You know, not, and not that it's a bad thing. The way I said it sounds horrible, that community, mm-hmm. but I'm just saying, like, People that are kinksters and they're kinky, that they may be just as open and everything, but they, yeah, they don't, they're not going to go to the BDSM club and mm-hmm. put all their business out there. They might not so be as it's, free. It's, it's like something that is either you can like make it very public and have a little like publicity and how you bring that into your life, or you can make it very private and you never need to in bring it up. In the community, technically, they're supposed to not out you. Yeah. Because sometimes you know? I feel like, like, like but that doesn't mean it doesn't happen even just my like my butchness like I feel like that in a way is me um coding my deviant sexuality publicly it's like something that I personally identify with but it's also like a like yeah everybody take it in this is what I do you know what I'm saying like it's like Mm -hmm. a, a fuck you like yeah fuck women you know so is there any kind of like BDSM coding that you would do publicly 
And maybe your style, dress, words. I can say that I don't know exactly what that means when like, you say coding. Like when I'm you, gonna. Are you saying like masking? No, I'm saying I, I, I'm using it in, as queer coding. So um, ways like fellow queers in a community tells. will communicate with small tells. So the notorious one for lesbians was the key of rings. You know what I mean? <laughs> Having the carabiner or the uh, the key, the the ring around your belt loop was like the okay. signifier that 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 like was woven through many different bubbles of lesbian culture. Oh um, not so much I've now. Had a carabiner, but I haven't always worn it. Because you're my hard belt. femme. <laughs> I'm a hard femme, I guess. I don't even know. It's so weird. I am a gay man trapped in this body. That's the problem. I, my life would be easier if I liked women. It would make more sense. You think so? Yeah, if I like women sexually, but mm-hmm. I admire women and I genuinely like women, and that was weird. It's funny. I, when I first came out, I had the same reservations, had the same feelings, I had the same thoughts. I thought, I don't know if I, I was like, I find myself interested in women. I can hear, I'm hearing other people be, other women being interested in me, and I'm like, okay, I think I could be into this, but one, I don't know if I could do this long-term and be in a relationship with one. I don't know if I could, I'm not sure and confident in my ability to go down on a woman that's really intimidating to me, and I just don't know where this is going to go, but I'm feeling something, and I've felt empty for a year, so I think I'm going to go with it. That was that was the beginning of the scary idea of coming out for me. Ah. It, was like, it was like, I'm having all these feelings come up, and a lot of doubts, but also it was like a conscious choice of like, am I going to half-ass this and like slide it under the rug and not like give this woman who's sharing her time with me like the, uh, how do I say, like, it's just not being ashamed, you know? And I made the conscious choice, like am I going to be um, out about this or not? And I I just basically like a switch flipped and I was like, all right, I'm going in, let's do this. And, And then I was like, oh, okay. Um, once, once I had like the first time having sex with a woman was kind of like, I was kind of like, okay, all right, this is, this is like, this is, this is great. This is interesting. This has got me on the hook. I'm taking it seriously, but also it didn't feel like really like it felt awkward. Like having sex with anybody would for the first time. Sometimes it just felt Mm kind of like, "Mm." but then I, something switched and I swear only not many people understand Mm this, but like. Like something switched in my brain chemically and then into what I call being pussy hungry. And that's just like where something switches where you're no longer like worried about how well you can please a woman or like if this is a sustainable thing or whatever. It's just like wah, 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 pussy on the brain, you know? So, um, yeah, that I had a lot of the same questions for myself, too, but I kind of I kind of like, I don't know. It just happened anyway. So I don't think I had a lot of control and say in the matter. It just happened. You See? Know? Same, but different. Same, Same but, different. but with dick. Yeah. But with dick, yeah. My, yeah, with dick. I've always... I like dick. ...like boys. Mm-hmm. Always like boys. Mm-hmm. Up until, you know, when I started uh, wanting to be friends with women and stuff like that. Yeah. Because I'm not sexually attracted to women. Yeah. I... It would be cool for me if I could. It yeah. feel it would be like that would probably be more natural. I feel weird, but yeah. I really, really like men. Like yeah, I have cool. no they just disappoint me regularly. They and you get tired disa- of that. Literally you know? have always disappointed me. But I like dick, period. Mm. Just like dick. You yeah. know? So 
And I'm very, very sexually attracted to gay men. Mm-hmm. Very, very. And I don't know if it's just because I know that they're not attracted to me. And I know that that was a conquest. Yeah. It's I'm a nine inch nail song. Something I I could never have. I think effeminate men are sexy though. Being attracted to effeminate men though is. Like um, a lesbian thing. Like projecting. It's kind of a bit of a a buy or pan tell. Just saying. But well maybe. Mm -hmm. Just saying. saying. Like I was not. I'm under the. I operate. There's under the just ethos. certain gay people, though. Otherwise. Right? <laughs> well, we should, we should. That's my justice system. Everybody's gay until they tell until me they're well, not. I think otherwise. I think not until to they... an extent, you need to love yourself and you know enjoy yourself or whatever. But oh, I, well, I love myself more than anybody else in there, this world. Yeah. Yeah. You need to. Yeah. So you know, uh, I did always I get think... confused by women, when, especially early in coming out being like disgusted like because then it then it would be like as soon as I came out it was like that part of the path of who would hang out with me and who wouldn't you know that was weird to me but, that's always been weird but some to of me. the microaggressions if it wasn't that cut and dry some of the microaggressions were like I could just never you, that's so disgusting I could never go down on a woman I'm like bitch whatever bitch what if you got a pussy, you're going to be like that that doesn't make any sense to me don't you want someone to go down on you it's what the, the same fuck? as dudes who won't kiss you after a blowjob that I didn't learn about that until like five or six years ago and I was like what is that really a thing like Mm -hmm. the hottest thing when like when like having sex with a woman is like like one going down and the other and then making out afterwards it's like it's like the sexiest thing and um that's so surprising to me (laughs) it's a thing though yeah it's a thing like with adult men like shut that shit down real quick not just like the youth like adult men Yes. Yes. Damn, wow. I'm Depends on how I'm they were, they're not more obsessed with their it's dick. It's about how they were raised and their idea of what being mm. gay and what being a homo, quote unquote, is. But don't you think that's kind of weird that they see? Okay, I don't. I definitely didn't want to put myself in this position, but I, I'm no, just gonna. I'm just gonna say it. this. Let's do don't it. you feel like it's kind of weird, like that, like in that situation, your body is seen as okay for them to deposit this in you, but at the same time, like they're above that, their own bodily fluid. Well, yeah. Does that make sense? What I'm trying to say? Yeah. Didn't come out exactly like I thought, but yeah. But you know what? Does that does not believe like it, me when I weird? say that if a man could suck his own dick, he would. Yeah. Oh, there are he many would. that do. He would, and he would taste himself. You should, totally. Yeah, I mean. So yeah. yeah, I totally see what you're saying right there. I, I don't have the answer I for just it. Think, yeah. Let's get a man down here. N- no, <laughs> let's not. <laughs> no. <laughs> huh? What's it mean to be super, super straight? See, I don't What's know. That, what comes to mind when 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 you got when when I when y'all see straight? What comes to mind? Like people that are just sexually attracted to the opposite sex. Yeah, and they're they're Stringently never that way. Right. Like, yeah, like they're, they're never straight. and they they're say that really they fluid. they're like, never gonna like they're never they, gonna fucking the, the opposite sex. They're never going to even like well, show I also affection. See people who have are to straight the also as people who may have experimented. Well, we're and talking flat, decided super that they did straight. Not want to do this. It has a lot to do with power, though. People okay. that are like, super straight, I think that they're in some type of denial, and it's for a specific reason. It's for somebody else reason. or something. Yeah, it's either for a spiritual belief or a whatever, where 
to me, you would abstain from everything, would be the super straightest. Yeah, you would be asexual. Yeah, you wouldn't be sexual at all. That's yeah. how I identified in high school, was asexual. Yeah, well. Why, why did you, you feel that way? Um, because and I'm curious. I, I, I noticed all the girls around me were just boy crazy, and I just, like, they were really sexually driven. And I, I didn't diss them for that. It was just, I was kind of like... I didn't feel, first of all, I had the crushing weight and of being the oldest child in a very, like, like poverty family. You know, I had everything I needed, don't get me wrong, but, like, I grew up with a single mom. We lived on, like, government welfare. Like, it was just the minimum all the time, Which, but it got us by. It's fine. But um, anyways, yeah. So, like, I noticed other girls were really uh, just very, very sexually engaged, and I'm like, I'm not even though I would find guys attractive or I'd have a lot of guy friends and then those guy friends would be like, God, you're the perfect girl. You want to play video games with me and you want to go and you want to be outside and do things and blah, 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 blah. I can really relate to you. And I'm just like, even though I wasn't out, I would give them, I can't describe this look over um, like auditorily, but yeah. they'd give me the, I'd give them the, you know. Uh, yeah, right. Like, I see that you're attracted to me, but trust that this will never work out. And I can't tell you why this isn't going to work out, but it's not going to work out. And that was my way of rejecting all of my guy friends <laughs> that would, you know, want to yeah, make a move, make a pass. Had no sexual feelings whatsoever for those dudes. Me? Yeah. No, I did in my head. The idea of them was great. The reality was like, oh, <laughs> oh, this is not working for me. So, like when you went to touch mm-hmm. a dude, a dude, yeah. You would get nothing out of it. You didn't get butterflies or yeah. anything. No. Yeah. Your vagina didn't. No. And I'm not yeah. saying I'm and not even saying that like like I like I hold my sexuality, my diagnosis, my homosexuality really close to my chest. And I'm, I'm really like really territorial of it. But at the same time, I perform masculinity, and I really I have and I admire other like um men and male identifying people in my life like I like them I admire them I think they're sexy and but what's interesting to me this is a weird little thing that is not uncommon with with people who might identify similarly with me is um I in my sexuality even though I firmly feel like a homosexual I also feel very like in that I feel more comfortable flirting with men it's weird I, I can I feel very comfortable in a flirtatious space with men, um, but it's always a game. It's never like it's always like a like a toy, like a cat and mouse situation. You know, yeah. like yeah, it's the something that they can't have. Yeah, and I like flaunting it in their face. Like you know, I love it. Um, that's why I'm I'm that's why I'm full on attracted to women who like like put men down. I love it. <laughs> so sexy to me. <laughs> Um, but you yeah, just I, like also, all I also middle-aged women. You like all women over forty, is what it is. Are those? Are that like, the? Is that the archetype that puts men well, in their place? You, you've just tired enough of their shit, and you've dealt with it. See, I've always beeped for men. Mm-hmm. Like it's always been like beep 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 beep. No, always flirted with men, but I've always hyped women, and that was against the quote norm of the clicky people. Like. For whatever reason, a lot of women in competition with each other, mm-hmm. the hierarchy, the pecking order. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to like you because your legs are longer. The, like, I don't the like you because you're younger and your skin's prettier. Can't be friends prettier. with other women is a whole last yeah, thing. I mean, it and for I, I can't real, stand it. it for real is, <laughs> yeah. and it's sad unless 
however you fit. But because I had my own issues, I've always thought, you know, Jen and I have talked about the fact that I think all my friends are beautiful and I'm like the ugly duckling in the group. And she's like, that's not true. And I'm like, oh well, you know, I don't know. I see, see it different. Yeah. And, and we so. all have that thing within ourselves like that. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. I've never felt the need to compete. Like I've just been like, yeah, this is who I am, whatever. So I haven't been like, I need to be yeah. this size and be in this group and, carry this brand and do this to be like this person because I've always kind of marched to the beat of my own drummer yeah but I've always been I admire women who are getting it who are being them own, their own self my mom was a very strong female mm-hmm. I appreciate the can-do attitude the do it so maybe I relate with the 40s women who when all the dudes went off to war had to hold it down and being capable to do that Mm -hmm. for my mom it was very important that we have those skills yeah yeah just all of her children but she was adamant and I was her firstborn daughter that Mm -hmm. I was going to be capable period and so we were trained to be capable and I had all of the tools at my disposal to do that can I say something right there because I had a a, a, there's a little Mm -hmm. bit of overlap in our experience but coming from different places because I had the intense pressure to get the shit get your shit together and like and like do something with your life but but I nobody had the tools to show me it was just a constant like don't do what I do this is the wrong way don't marry a man don't get pregnant it's not worth it go to school like it was a mom is my age more than likely my children are your age my youngest child turns 27 Mm -hmm. on the 10th of this month so that's my baby and they're the baby I had him Mm -hmm. when I was just a few months shy of being 30. Mm -hmm. So I didn't even bring shame to the family and being a young teenage mom or anything (laughs) like that. I mean, not saying that anybody did, but I, you know, I was married and Sarah was 20 months old and 30, you know? And so, but my mom would be your grandmother see what I'm saying age-wise or whatever for mm-hmm. where you are in the generation my grandmother had so my mom young and my why. mom had me young so it might be a little skewed but yeah yeah so that is a little mm-hmm. that's a little different but you know then my mom when she remarried remarried somebody 20 years older than she was because mm-hmm. she had her own daddy issues I've always, so I've always been attracted to people older than me just I a had thing. a whole nother generation older so, older oh, than yeah. you oh yeah. yeah even even before I was in relation like old enough to be in relation adult relationships like I still was I was hopelessly in love with all with all of my teachers like my favorite I like can think of like each grade and like which which lady teacher was was in that grade and which was one totally was my favorite yeah they all fucking loved me too because I was such a teacher's pet and my favorite <laughs> oh was my, God. my fifth grade teacher and, who happened to be a male yeah and all mm-hmm. all of my fucking report cards all of them I swear with the end of the year it would have a whole little paragraph of my teacher writing like a note to my mother that was like Nikki is such a joy to have in class like like she is just such a delight and blah 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 and I'm just like 
I look back on it and I'm like, that is so gay. I was like, just like, <laughs> I was totally I crushing was just, on my teachers. I was teacher. crushing on my teachers, yeah. doing anything for them. And like also, but also just like I'm the first one to raise my hand and, and just the way I navigate through like a classroom setting is like a whole nother animal. But I also had a lot to do with crushing on teachers for sure. But I've always been attracted to more, a more mature crowd and um, has a lot to do with struggling to identify with my peers. I always have. It's always been a thing. Um, so I'd be that one that lingered after class and I'd be like slowly getting my books, like everyone left. And then I'd be like, hi, how are you professor? <laughs> every time, ever since like a young little, little thing, that's, that's how I've always been. Um, it's kind of silly, but I'm curious, like, I kind of feel like if I were to, cause part of me really feels like I could pull it off being in a relationship with a dude. I feel like I could like, I could. I don't know, like find some guy, like rule, like rock his whole world and like be married and it, it seems successful or whatever. I really feel like I could do it. I do. But part of me feels like it would be totally soul draining for me because I, I feel like the, you're not supposed to get like, I guess, validation from people as like a way, a motivating factor. But part of me feels like if I was in a relationship with a dude, um, it wouldn't be like validating. There's something about like having intimate connection and sexual um connection with somebody with like your own body type that like like is so validating it's so like so precious to me I don't know how to explain it it's like this like I don't know you know talking about being like a hype girl hyping up your friends or whatever like your other Mm -hmm. girlfriends like imagine like one of them being fucking naked on top of you and making out with you and being like I accept you and your whole ass body and let's fuck each other like it's a it's a different type of like intimate validation from shared between someone who shares a body type I don't know it's like Mm. it just like shatters everything whereas if I think about like fucking a dude which I I have thought about like I I I totally think about it like yeah but when I think about it I think about like oh my god all the things that would probably run through my brain of like maybe being performative or maybe being like like the male gaze just fucks me up I don't know how else to say it like it just I feel like in my head I would be quantifying so much more whereas when I'm like when I'm like fucking someone who I identify with um it's like I'm not I don't have all those that list of questions that list of like what's going on do you feel like if you were in a relationship with a man that you would have to take on a more traditional type of role as a female and that is what is scary because you know that those traditional roles are not necessarily validated by everyone that they're partnered with 110 percent when I was younger yeah like so if I were to have gotten to in a relationship with a man when I was a bit younger um that's exactly probably would have what would have happened but now I've found so much um, uh, space and room inside myself in my butchness and in my own expression and my own queer identity that even if now I decided to be in a relationship with a dude, I honestly feel like the level of attention that I've, I've garnered from my butchness wouldn't be as big of a problem now um, because I've found it quite fascinating that straight men and gay men have had very interesting <laughs> reactions to me. Um, and usually I... I my identity coasts that thin line of like men who identify as straight with air quotations straight who feel like I'm the safe space because I'm still like 
legal not because like like age wise but legal as in you're still you still pass as straight if you fuck this person but they are so boyish they have a fucking mustache painted on and you're having feelings like you know so I, I've brought out really interesting behavior in straight men but I've also brought out really interesting behavior in straight uh, gay men and toxic behavior too um so yeah like I feel like it wouldn't be the, the exact same thing I don't think now at this point in my life I would find myself moving into those traditional roles as much but who's to say I don't want to you know right I don't right. want to. I don't see you as I happy in I don't that. think it would be fulfilling and it's like it's not even like a and I've always felt this way I don't necessarily I don't hate men sometimes I resent them but I don't like hate them um and like I, I joke, um, lesbians don't fucking hate men. They're not the ones that hate men the most. I, I, I joke that it's all it's bisexuals that hate men the most. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Anyways. Yeah, the traditional role is fun until it's Christmas time and you don't have anything in your stocking because you're the one that buys all the presents and wraps everything and makes sure that everybody has a good Christmas. You're talking about femme labor again? Is that what we're talking about again? Because that's very real. Well, I dropped the well, ball I this thought, Christmas. I, <laughs> I just saw a couple of TikToks about it, and uh, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Happens every year. You just get used to it. And then you just go and you buy yourself whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. Well, or your kids get the message and they have the guilt trip. Like, <laughs> when I got divorced the first year, I was divorced. Uh, and my father was still alive and in our home, mm-hmm. but the kids weren't able to drive. Yeah. My pop could drive, though. He had not, like, gotten to the point where he needed to stop driving yet. But nobody thinking about anything. They didn't give me anything for Christmas. Aww. Like, and it was wild because the kids didn't even get anything from school. Yeah. But I feel like there was a snow that year or something, and so they got off a little earlier from Christmas or whatever. I'm not really sure. It doesn't matter. But so I'm not saying anything. Does They're that does that make sense what I'm saying though? Presents and then boom, they all like kind of realized. Oh. And so now every year they make sure Aww, well, mom's taken care of, but That's good. Bill every other year does amazing with Christmas, but I dropped the ball this year. We were supposed to make or have ornaments you know starting a collection of our own and so he went and had a photo printed in an ornament he even bought one for me I have now so wow yeah that's yeah I know so uh Johnny Deep are you performing anywhere locally oh goodness in Um, coming up so I I don't not uh, actually do have a clam slam performance coming up at Southland Books. Um, I don't know the exact date off the top of my head. It's in it February. is January 29th. It's January 29th. Yes. this month. It's this Thank month. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> because I am also in the same show. <laughs> my, my toxic my, masculinity will be on display. <laughs> That's awesome. I think I'm going to do like a, um, a frilly like. Prince bitch boy number I'm kind of excited about I'm here for it yeah and then I'll be kittening at the um South Press uh burlesque show yeah that will probably this will probably air after the South Press Press oh we are at a Salome Cabaret is at a new venue and it's Saturday at South Press the local uh queer coffee shop queer coffee shop Saturday when 
at eight o'clock. Yes, at eight o'clock, and it is a sober space. There Which will I'm be so excited I'm very about. excited about that too. You know, it's not often you get to perform in sober spaces that because aren't just living rooms. I think that really a big, big part of the problem with the toxic masculinity that we were talking about earlier at at gay clubs is, and that really goes for anywhere. Really, is just alcohol mm-hmm. and the way it affects people. I am just now starting to dive into what alcohol does to people addiction, addictive behaviors addiction yeah because both of my both of my parents were alcoholics mm-hmm. uh, alcohol I know that I had a problem after my second divorce or, or right right about 2008 2009 I mean mm-hmm. I was drinking a lot to just get through yeah. you know just get through life and get through my bad marriage yeah and now I'm just like I'm so old that I don't like the hangover anymore. Yeah. It just, mm, I might have one drink, maybe a cider, but then that's it. I mm-hmm. do not like to drink anymore. And even the taste of it is just like, meh, you yeah. know, meh. I don't mind yeah. every once in a while going out and drinking. I mean, doing comedy, I might have a glass of wine sometimes or you I would know, say a vodka in that, drink. In that community it, it gets a little but way that way too with I mean you performers can, drinking. Yeah, long the time crowd drinking. Back, it's always because you're always in bars. And, and substance yeah. abuse uh, substance abuse in the queer community is just rampant. It's yeah. 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 That's so, been that way. It's forever. always been that way. So mm-hmm. I'm super excited that it's a sober space. It's mm-hmm. an early show. You'll yeah. be in bed by eleven o'clock. Yeah, it's a trans inclusive place. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool too. And we're also doing Braddy's Cathartic Karaoke the Friday before. Oh, I thought it was Thursday. I put it in my calendar as Thursday. Oh no, it's Friday. Friday the seventh. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Gail's gonna have some was, comedian had, friends oh, come oh, by. Yeah. Part of it for yeah. comedy. Yeah. She's gonna hijack like the I first part a little bit. Have a, audience but it's good yeah i mean i'm not saying that it's you know we want to do open mic and yeah but this is kind of i've asked some select diverse comics yeah to come yeah. mostly female i think awesome. there's one That's but cool. they they have to sing as well so they have to stay i had such a good time last time yeah. oh my Ugh. god it was so fun and i've just recently like gotten the the nerve to to sing in front of people so this that's will very very actually, new for me yeah it'll it if you get it in the box after yeah it won't air until after so people will miss so, out no, but you another, know what there'll be another one Next though hopefully month, yes. yeah but there'll be another the one yeah, in february that's great that's and that'll great. be the love songs valentine's version i got ballads to sing oh yeah see and that yeah. would be cool and hopefully we can do a space to have a different comedy night like i don't want to hijack Friday's thing unless we do a whole deal where we just have like a half hour comedy before karaoke if that would make people feel well, better about if you wanted to include any kind of like I'm not I don't know much about stand-up comedy I don't really have the nerve to get on well that's what the that, open mic but is but you might you know true. write out some stuff yeah you just write it out poetry slam I gonna, would like to oh, do oh Carrie's that. Carrie's all she's great she's so, great oh my um, god but physical comedy I might if you got had some room in your shows for maybe some sketch comedy or some kind of physical comedy well, I, mean, I could probably uh, I could, you could Tiger do, Tangerine and I we could probably fuck minute, some shit up could do five minutes of sketch so i think you like, just have to have it written 
You still have to write your sketch stuff out. Of course, yeah. And then yeah. you would have your idea, and then you and whoever would get up and perform that for mm -hmm. that five minutes with the open mic. Yeah. You or even just totally... filler. Like if there was like a character, like a, a set of characters you had on the side that came in and did like a, a two-minute well, sketch and until, bounced off. Like, like I could probably get behind this that. This sounds awful. But until it gets to where Daylight Savings Time gets back, where it's lighter later. later. Yeah. Um, or sorry. the lighting is so cute. So, um, oh, the 21st, where can they find I'm going to be yeah. at Fountain City Social Club Hell yeah. doing nice of January. that day. Cool. 21st of January. I think I'm doing something before then. And then I've got a couple shows in February and March. So Sweet. that I'm sure we'll be hearing about soon. Yeah. Or you'll see it on social media. So. So, if you have questions, which I know you don't because we never get any emails, email us at gabandgirltime at gmail.com. If you want to see us personally, you can go to my Instagram page, Braddy Von Beaverhausen, or Gail's page, Time, And that's across all platforms, mm, yeah. Gail Time. Very well branded. Yes. That's nice. You can find me on Instagram, Johnny Deep. <laughs> yes, I follow yes. Johnny Deep on Instagram. I do too. And Brandy Von Beaverhausen. Instagram's for the fun uh, stuff. Yeah, I'm trying to learn to talk the tick. And I am Bruce Tonsils on TikTok and FetLife. So come see me there. That's my emotional outlet like right now is TikTok. Yeah, I've already, like, I was going to try to post one every day but that's not going to work so I figure if I get at least three in a week to start that'll be good yeah give yourself a so, little personal goal and then just yeah, keep going just keep my personal goal it. is to p promote every day promote the show promote myself promote Salome yeah. Clam Slam that's awesome yeah. yeah I mean that's if you want that's the hustle we have the to hustle. do it and well, I don't do it enough no. And, and and it shows. I feel like yeah, what I'm not as great. Oh, I'm not as great as I need to be because I don't I don't work I don't put in the work to it. I'm lazy. We're wrapping it up. Mm -hmm. I'm a lazy. I fuck. think we just need to have better habits. I don't think it's work. I think it's habit. Being in the habit. Well, it takes six weeks to create a habit. Mm -hmm. yeah. yep. So we'll see. Yeah. If I'm you ever going wanna... to practice immediacy. Okay. That's the. Each year a burn principle and immediacy is this year. Interesting. My new year technically doesn't start until my birthday in March. Oh. However, I I do believe in you know, the calendar year as well. So yeah. goals and then just need like to be but waking for up from year. winter, you know, and starting a fresh year and just bringing like yeah, you it's know, newness of it all. Oh yeah, and maybe being gentler with getting the habits so you yeah. can be hardcore but still doing it you gonna sing with us yeah heck yeah you are yeah what are we singing <laughs> oh yeah, yeah 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 i thought we were about to do a love ballad excuse me we could do that too. <laughs> we could do it in the form of a love ballad um awesome yeah. you okay all right Cabin girl time it's gotta be an 80s love ballad is that an 80s love ballad don't you feel like they belted it out <laughs> you gonna do your do a country? Is that your style? No, no. Let's no. just can't, say. You can't, you can't spell maybe. country without cunt, right? Hey. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and we appreciate our listeners, of course. And we thank you so much for listening to 
Gal pals, wink. Yep. <laughs> <laughs>